Hello. Welcome to the Stubborn Tortoise Podcast. I'm Donna Pastera. Well, <laughs> my head got in the way on Friday when I ran Cactus Rose. <laughs> I should say I hiked uh, a lot of it. Um, yeah, Cactus Rose. I was supposed to do 25 miles, and um, the plan was to start at 10 a.m. with my friends, uh, you know, Orlando and Sarisa, because um, they're doing the 100 mile, and that was kind of their idea. Their strategy was to start a little later in the morning, so <clears throat> they didn't get as much of the heat of the day, I guess, early, um, which is a good strategy for them, but for me, it was not a great strategy <laughs> because it was already kind of warm that day. We you know, the, the temperatures, you know, we're in that weird period where stuff, you know, is kind of warm. And then, you know, the next day it's chilly and, you know, so it's just sort of ironing itself out until we get into fall winter. Um, not my favorite time of the year, although for the running, it's better when it's cooler. I have to say that, but anyway, it was about a hundred percent humidity. In fact, it was, um, drizzling uh, on my way up to Bandera. And then, um, it was actually, you know, drizzling through most of the the race, for at least for the beginning for me. Um, but it was very humid. It was very humid. It was very warm. Fortunately, there was a cloud cover at first, so that helped. Um, but as it turned out, I got there. They were building a road, or resurfacing a road, I guess, up outside of Bandera on my way in there on Friday, and. I got, I left my house at, I don't know, probably like 7.30, which is a little later than I wanted to, but um, I had spent the night before um, packing three coolers, you know, trying to decide where, because there are four aid stations with two of them being, you know, uh, manned, if you will, or womaned, and, <laughs> and then other two were, you know, standalone, you know, you, you supply everything yourself, and so I was like sitting there on Thursday night, you know, filling up little baggies of chips and <laughs> muddy buddies. <laughs> um, love that stuff. Um, bananas, you know, Coke, Topo Chico. And then I had a bag of ice and I split that between the three, uh, coolers, but I, I didn't fill that up until, um, Friday morning because I didn't want to have the ice melt before I even got there. So anyway, I know that's just like a little just a little bit of my strategy. <clears throat> and then I, yeah, so I, I was uh, you know, just trying to organize everything Thursday night. Oh, and let me just tell you something else. This is some incredibly great news. Um, so as you may know, I am the advisor for the student magazine at Texas A&M San Antonio. Um, I was hired actually to start up a student magazine three years ago. Um, it is called El Espejo, El Espejo, which means the reflection or the mirror, um, kind of depending on your version of Spanish. Um, and again, I am not any sort of uh, expert, but, you know, I know a little something. But anyway, nonetheless, um, we, uh, this last issue that we uh, published um, in the spring um, was, was really good. And uh, I entered it I've entered in a few contests and we entered it in this one called the Associated Collegiate Press Association Awards. And these are pretty much college journalism's highest honor. And 
Um, the magazine overall was a finalist, which in itself was just like, I was like crying, you know, when I found that out because that's a big deal. I mean, especially because we are a very small school and we have a very small department, but a lot of opportunities for our students to, um, they can, they can work for the uh, student online newspaper. They can, um, they have an internship program at Univision and then they also have the magazine. So, I mean, we don't have a lot of majors. And so it's, a, it's, it's a definitely a, a buyer's market, I guess, if you will. So it's, it was really good. So, um, but nonetheless, we, and of course we were finishing putting this magazine together, sorry, uh, uh, just as the pandemic shutdown began, which was a real <laughs> challenge. So we were like meeting over Zoom and, um, you know, I'm working on a 15 inch laptop trying to read, you know, back read stories, blah, blah, blah. It was just, I mean, it was a lot of time and sacrifice on everyone's part. Um, and then Thursday night they had the awards ceremony and, um, we also were a finalist for, um, they had a category for COVID-19 coverage. I know how weird is that? We had a really good story that was on our cover, um, about the historical implications of pandemics, you know, through the eyes of other people, uh, historians and whatnot. And, um, but the design and the photography in that, uh, ended up being a finalist. And so anyway, Thursday night, I'm just kind of <laughs> filling up bags and, you know, refreshing my computer screen so I can see, you know, who won. And by God, we won one of the, we won a pacemaker for best student magazine in the country. Um, I mean, there were a handful of winners. I mean, it, they don't really like give you like first, second or third, but you know, there's like a handful of, of finalists. And then from that, it narrows down to winners and we are a winner. And I was like, crying and screaming and incredibly emotional. Um, it just felt really good because, um, in my, in my previous job, I also was the advisor for a student magazine and we won a number of pacemakers. And I know that this is one of my, you know, the calling card for me, um, you know, to, you know, come on monkey dance, you can do it again. You know, that's kind of what I felt like. And, you know, after you know, this being our third issue, I was just like, Oh my God, maybe I don't have the magic anymore. You know? And I mean, it's not just me. It's just the, the, the students that, that, you know, put this thing together. But I mean, I, I, I like to think that maybe some of it has to do with me, um, you know, giving them enough room to, ex, ex, you know, kind of figure things out themselves and, and whatnot, and just kind of like sit in the back seat, you know, toss the keys to them and let them drive. Um, also, I do, I do sort of draw on my ultra running experience um, because to see this one through was pretty extraordinary because, I mean, I think a lot of people may have wanted to quit, but my staff and myself, um, nobody really wanted to quit. We just wanted to keep pushing forward because, I mean, it was hard, you know. Um, so it was really exciting to see that. And then also we won a second place award for the design and um photos in the COVID-19 spread. So pretty cool. Um, and I'll, I'll throw a link in the, uh, episode notes, uh, that, that you can take a look at the magazine. I think we've got like a, a PDF version of the magazine up. Um, so just so you can admire the handiwork of my 
students and uh, I'm very, very proud of them. And uh, it, it's, it's exciting. And apparently we are the only A&M school to win a pacemaker for magazine for best magazine. So I was like, all right, that makes me feel really good. And, and let me just say one last thing about this and then I'll get back to my story. But um, I mean, we are competing with schools that have lots and lots of resources and huge student bodies from which to draw from. As I mentioned, we're a very small school and I will say that our director of student media is amazing and she manages to find money for us, you know, so we can, you know, publish this thing and pay our, our students, you know, a little bit of money, uh, a certain amount of hours a week to work on this thing. And, um, you know, and I, and I only have like one class that feeds into this thing. And um, in fact, last year, I didn't even have that class because it didn't make, as we call it, didn't have enough students to sign up for it. So, you know, the fact that we were just sort of working with this like skeleton crew, but they were very dedicated, really, really made me happy and, and, and excited to see, um, you know, what we're capable of. And uh, yeah, and so we're, we're, kind of getting near the home stretch. Uh, we're going to start coming out twice a year. Um, and so we're getting near the home stretch for the issue that will come out in December. And then we get to start all over again in the spring. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that, that, that left me on a pretty high note, but anyway, I was still pretty kind of jacked up about that. I don't know. I was like, just really, woo, you know, very excited and everything. And went to bed and then could not stay asleep. I don't know what the heck happened to me, but I was just sort of like, Hmm, I'm really wound up. And it's, you know, typical night before a race. I just was like, Oh God, I don't know. I can't sleep. And you know, 25 miles out there. And you know, I've not been, you know, my longest run has only been 15 miles and you know, I don't know. I was just having a lot of anxiety, but, um, but as it turned out, I uh, didn't because I got stuck in traffic when they were building the, the road, uh, there's some pretty sizable delays. And so, um, I had to drop off my, uh, coolers at the various, you know, uh, uh, aid stations and, you know, on my, before I checked in and got my bib and, and my chip. And, um, and I saw Orly, uh, coming out of the bathroom, um, as I got in there, but I still had to walk my, um, my final cooler up, a, about a half mile up, um, you know, at that aid station because I need, I wanted to start, but, uh, it was, it was probably about like 10 till 10 at this point, And I had a terrible feeling that I was not going to start with them. And I was right. Cause just as I was coming down the hill, I <laughs> heard his booming laugh <laughs> and I assumed Sarisa was with him and I didn't get to see her and they were off. And so I was like, great. And so then I was just like, okay, whatever, you know, just, this deal. I mean, one thing about these rolling starts in, in, in one aspect, they're great because, you know, you don't have that feeling of being stampeded by a bunch of people, you know, trying to jockey for their place or whatever, you know, if you all start together. But the one thing that I discovered as a participant is that if you start on, you know, like the first day, you know, especially a Friday when a lot of people are working, it gets really lonely. And that's what happened to me. I, um, I think I finally got my act together and started around 10, 15. And, um, there was nobody in front of me, nobody behind me. And I did not see a soul 
until almost before I got to the second aid station. And there was a couple of people on horseback, um, one of which the, 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 the horses were beautiful. Um, and the lady told me that uh, one was a thoroughbred, which I found out later was a descendant of secretariat. That's insane. Um, and then the other one was a quarter horse and they were just both beautiful. And, but that was like it. So anyway, let's get back to the beginning. Um, yeah. So I took off and, you know, it was just sort of gritting my teeth because I knew Lucky Peak was going to be, sorry about the chimes. Um, Lucky Peak was going to be, you know, coming at me, you know, within a the mile and a half or so. But yeah, the weird thing is, is I don't know what, what happened this time. I don't know if the course is slightly different, if we're approaching it from a different way. Cause I know when we do Bandera, we approach it from a different angle and it's much steeper and harder. Um, this one, it really wasn't as bad and it wasn't as, you know, uh, gravelly and slip slippery as, uh, like the last time I've done it. So I don't know. I really, I was like, wow, that was it, huh? <laughs> so that wasn't bad. And then really, I mean, there were some rocks and hills and stuff, but it really wasn't bad. I, I, you know, because I've never really done cactus rose, the whole thing on this course, um, because I DNF the first time I tried it. And then, uh, the other year I did it, it was at a different location. So this was all kind of new to me, but there's a lot of runnable flats. Um, they're a little Sandy and, um, but you know, it really wasn't bad, but boy, I'll tell you what, my brain just started, I don't know, fighting with me. And I think, you know, I just kept thinking, you know, you have not done enough training runs to really, you know, conquer 25 miles out here. Um, you know, you, you just, you know, you're, you're not respecting the distance. And so that just kept echoing in my head and I just was like, uh, and so then I started coming up with, you know, game plans, um, you know, cause I think as, <clears throat> as I mentioned last week, God, what's going on with my voice. As I mentioned last week, um, I, I thought maybe what I might do is drop it, you know, this one aid station that's about 16 miles into the course. Um, you know, so, so I, I was thinking about that one and, and then I had another idea that maybe I would just, because when you stop at the aid station past that one, you're about at 20 miles, but that's the one where you can just kind of walk down the hill and into the finish line and then just drop, you know? So I was just kind of like, you know, that wouldn't be bad either. And to be honest with you, I just wasn't having a lot of fun out there. Um, because there's no cell phone reception. I can't really like listen to my music or a podcast or anything like that, which sometimes calms my brain. You know, it gives me something else to think about. And, um, so I didn't have that. And so all I had was this stupid loop of, Oh God, I don't know about this. You're, you're doing something dumb this is not worth your trouble. And then I kept thinking about all the grading I had to do. And yeah. And so before you knew it, I was just like, okay, screw it. I'm going to quit at the nine mile aid station because I had already made my mind up and uh, it was getting, the sun was starting to come out. And so it was starting to get hot. And, uh, and I just like, you know, this, this isn't my day and let's just cut, cut to the, you know, cut my losses while I can and just not worry about it. Okay. And to be honest right now, I respect that decision. I mean, yeah, I probably could have eked out something and, and, you know, gutted it out and, and whatnot. Um, but I just, I don't know, I just wasn't feeling it. And I just was, I don't know, I've done this a few times, um, 
mainly it's at those night races um, where you're just kind of out there having these like existential thoughts, like, why am I doing this? This is dumb. You know, I'm not ready for this and, and whatnot. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's basically what I did. And um, I came upon the aid station there and it was being run by my friends, um, Pamela and Brad Twell. God, I hope I'm saying their name right or Toll. They're from Kerrville and both beasts in their own right. Um, and they're super cool people. And I'm like, okay, guys, I'm going to drop. And, you know, they didn't, you know, argue with me or anything, which was nice. Um, and they're like, well, do you want to just hang out for a bit? Or do you want to get, you know, go back? Because Brad offered to drive me back to the start because I could have walked, but it would have been a few more miles. And at that point I was kind of like, I probably deserve to just walk back because, you know, I don't really, it's not like there's anything wrong with me other than my brain is broken, but, <laughs> um, but I took him up on that, but, but we hung out for, I don't know, about 15, 20 minutes and just you know, chatted about a lot of things. And um, yeah. And then he gave me a ride back and to the start. And then I saw uh, my friend Ben um, sitting at the finish line with a, another friend from the Valley, Angie. <clears throat> and so I, I walked over to them and Ben's just sitting there and what I, Actually, truth be told, I saw Ben when I was dropping off my um, cooler at that aid station uh, that I just mentioned, um, like around 930 on Friday. And uh, he looked kind of beat up at that point. He had started at seven and he was just, you know, he just didn't have a very good look on his face. But but I've seen Ben. Ben can kind of go a variety of ways with his um, races, kind of like me. Um, you know, sometimes he can just tough it out and, and be okay and, and, you know, finish, or <laughs> he can just go, screw it. I'm quitting. And turns out he was having the very same thoughts that I was having, which made me feel a lot better about my drop because he's like, oh yeah, I was thinking about quitting at, you know, the equestrian aid station, which was that 15 and a half or 16 mile aid station. He's like, but then I just kept up and decided to, you know, go all the way up to the, what they call the Boyles aid station, which is at mile 20. And, um, so, but then he said, he just walked down the hill and he said he was contemplating going back up, you know, and maybe finishing the race, but then he was just kind of like, nah, not going to do it. So we did the walk of shame together and turned in our chips <laughs> and we talked a little bit more and, you know, it was fun catching up with him. And, uh, yeah. And so then after that, I was getting ready to, you know, go home and I had to go back up and grab my cooler, my other cooler and, and, you know, go recollect everything and, uh, ran into my buddy, Matt, you know, the, of the shirtless fame, um, who's always volunteering. And, uh, he was working the equestrian aid station at this point. And, uh, yeah. So I hung out with him and, and this other guy, Richard, for a little bit. And then I, uh, you know, just wandered back to, uh, you know, this other aid station, picked up my other cooler, um, ran into my friend Ace, who always seems to attract rattlesnakes. I'm like, did you see any rattlesnakes? And he's like, no. I'm like, thank God, you know, and he was doing the hundred. And um, anyway, yeah, so it was it was kind of cool. And, and I did him a little favor um, carrying something back to his ice chested equestrian. I know this is very boring and inside baseball, but anyway, suffice it to say, it was just good to see people. I mean, if I could have seen some of these people, I think when I was running, it probably would have made me feel less horrible, but maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. 
Um, I just didn't like that loneliness because I think what happens is sometimes I'm out there by myself and I just start getting in my head and then I'm just like, oh, you just really can't do this. And sometimes if you have something else to focus on or distract yourself with, I know that's not really the greatest way to do it, but that's kind of how I work sometimes. Um, you can finish a race and, and I've definitely done that before, but this was not one of those times I was just sort of caving in and, um, kind of okay about it. Um, and I've decided that I'm definitely not doing the 50 K at wild hair. Um, going to drop to the 25, but I am going to keep trying to do long runs or long, longer runs, like some twenties, um, in the coming weeks and do that marathon at Brazos Bend. And I may, cause Here's the thing. I am not going home for Christmas um, this year just because of this stupid pandemic. And um, so I'm not going to really have anything to do other than run. So I think I'm just going to, this is just something I'm toying with right now, but I'm thinking maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll size up and, and do the 50 K at Bandera in January. Cause I have plenty of time to train for that and, you know, maybe train properly and the weather won't be as awful. Um, and then maybe try to do the 50 K at, Rocky in February, which is the day after my birthday. So I don't know there's some significance to that. So, um, I don't know, but here's, you know, here's the thing. It's like, you know, for the last two years, I keep kicking the can down the road. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go do these, you know, uh, 50 Ks, 50 milers, hundred milers, you know, and then I just don't do it, you know, because I don't train for it. So who knows what's going to happen. But my hope is that I can pull it out of the fire get my mind right. Just try to really, really just get focused on it. And, um, I think what happens is, is, you know, sometimes my training gets a little bit too sporadic and, and chaotic and I'm not, you know, planning it as well as I should, or stuff happens. I get sick, I get injured. Um, you know, we get a pandemic. I just don't feel like doing anything. So, I mean, this year was really hard. Um, and I'm not trying to make excuses for myself, but, um, I do think that that, that played into it. Um, so, and I have to say hats off to Orly and Sarisa because they did get those freaking buckles, um, at Cactus Rose. This is Orly's third try. And I knew he was going to get it this time. I could just see it in his eyes. I could just, just feel it, you know, and Sarisa was a, a little slower than he, but she's a beast. She's got that great mental attitude. And, um, I really admired her, her grit and tenacity. I mean, both of them, I mean, let's face it. Um, it, it really, you know, they, they had it, they had, they had it going on. I did not, <laughs> so, uh, for, you know, my little time out there, but I'm hoping that when I do Brazos and even wild hair, it, you know, I'll have other people around me and it won't feel quite so lonely and desolate or whatever, because, you know, on the one hand, I don't really enjoy having people stampeding over me, but at the same time, it's also sort of nice to every now and then just sort of, you know, make a trail friend and, you know, just sort of hang and, and, you know, and then, then we go our separate ways. And, um, and I had none of that this time. And I think that just sort of contributed to my mindset and I don't know, that's, that's at least the way I'm, I'm, you know, examining it. So, um, yeah, so that's the plan, Stan. <laughs> um, so I think that's all I've got for now. So I will see you, you know, when next time.